When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. Welcome back to You're gonna win better, get better in life, innit? An Arsenal podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend Bradley Adams. Hello, mate. I'm gonna start, Brad, by reading out an email I received from Asher, who is in Tanzania oh. in Australia. Okay. Tanzania is not in Australia. Asher said, "Is it not? It's his own country." <laughs> well, hang on. He said, "He said terrible time for Australians to watch in the email," and he said he's from ta- Tasmania. Ta- ta- not you. Just, you just said Tanzania, as in the African country. Oh, what Tanzania. did I say? Tanzania. I meant Tasmania. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start. Good start. Anyway, Asher tweets, oh, oh, this is meant to be really touching and lovely and and jump us off into a glorious podcast. And now I feel um now I feel insecure, Brad. Hi guys, good to have you back. Look forward to listening to your man you wrap up. Terrible time for Australians to watch. 3.30. The following is a big stretch. My wife and our little girls are heading to Amsterdam and Paris in May. We've got a home game against Brighton. I'm looking for a single ticket for myself. I'm hoping to take the train from Paris to London and see my first Arsenal game. If there's any chance at all you could help me securing a ticket, I would be eternally grateful to continued success, Asher. Now I've tweeted, I've I've sent Asher something back, and we'll, we'll we'll try and sort him out a ticket, right? But yeah, 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 we'll get on the. Group it chats. just got me thinking. After yesterday, there is a global fan base. There are millions of people that tune in every single game week to watch Arsenal. People get up at stupid o'clock in the morning, travel halfway around the world to watch this team. And when they deliver, when they show the guts, the passion, the fire. And the fire. The fire, the in, fire the, in the belly. The fire in the belly. As Pep they puts get it. The dog when, <laughs> when they show that passion and energy and desire like they did, I think it begins to reward that dedication from those fans and we forget about that you know we're over here in london and we we're near the stadium we go to we go to the games obviously we don't have season tickets but we can we get to games when we can we feel close to it but i think you forget on days like yesterday just as a kind of precursor to this conversation about this incredible team how many people that would have made happy around the world you know all those people in in every continent, every corner of the globe, watching Arsenal yesterday, fighting back and getting that goal. And you, you think about it from a, from a from your own perspective, of course. I mean you can't you can't do anything else. But it just it just things like that and those emails hammer home the enormity of what is being achieved this season. Yep. You know, where it's being watched, how it's being affected. I saw a video of someone yesterday talking about how Arsenal basically saved their life last year in the sense that, you know, Arteta's team um, playing so well was the one thing he was looking forward to during a really, really dark patch in his life. This is more than football. This is more than football. This what what this is, and what everyone what everyone felt yesterday, to me, is more than football. It's something. It's a mm. community culture, and 
its culture, its its family, its connection, its joy, its emotion, its everything. And fuck anyone trying to piss on that parade. Let's enjoy this moment. As we go through the analysis, yeah, we'll take we'll come on to the tactics, we'll do that, whatever. Yeah, great. We can we can look at all that. But let's just bask in this moment for a second because fuck me, yesterday was fucking amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. And on that, like I've I think I've banged the drum on here before that I think international fans often can be some of the most and more hardcore and dedicated fans than English fans. I'm not getting up at 3.30 in the morning. Do you know what I mean? These guys put themselves through absolute hell to touch a glimmer of what we take advantage of in this country a lot of the time. And ironically, I was thinking today on another side of things about, um, I saw a few things come up on my Twitter and on my TikTok um, about lots of the people who aren't here to have seen this revolution people like claude you know and and the fact that we have to in these moments and and i understand that it's nervy and i understand that we're desperate for it but we have to understand that we have to live these moments for the people who are no longer here to live them and that's the beauty of it is that it is a cycle and one day we might not be as good and we might not win a title for another 19 years and we may not live to see the title coming home again so we have to celebrate and champion this team for everybody who wished that they could and for everybody who wished that their brother, son, uncle, father, wife, mother was here to celebrate it with them. And we have to drown out the noise of people trying to piss on the parade. And we need to have as much fun with this as possible because that's what this is. It's the lifeblood of of a community and fun and joy. And sometimes, like we've seen in the last few years, it can be it can be horrendous and devastating. But it's moments like this that make every other moment so worth it. And we we have to make sure that we soak in every second for everyone that, that can't. You know, it's mad. Fucking hell. It's just started off on a deep note. Yeah. Welcome back to a different organizational podcast. Also, just a little, just at the very bottom of that, I'd add a little asterisk, asterisk and in even smaller font, I'd just put, but Gary Neville can fuck off. <laughs> um, mate, what a game of football. What a game of football. Arsenal 3, Manchester United 2 at the Emirates. I'll start us off, Bradley, with my word of the game, which is definitive. I think this game could come to be... Um, the definitive game in our season. I think it could be, it's not a turning point because we're not turned from anything, but I think this could be the moment where we went, look, this was the one team who'd beaten us. United hadn't um, lost the game when they'd scored the first goal since October 2021. We had the most touches in their penalty area, uh, sorry, in their, yeah, in their, in their penalty area um, of any team against the opposition all season. That was poorly explained, but you know what I mean? We are, we're in a position where our our football was was shown up against a similarly exciting project and showed where it is. And I think we'll all look back on this, especially in the way we won the game right at the death and go, that was the game of that season. 
I think it I think it very well could be the game of that season in the same way that um let's say the 2016 title winning season that when that goal went in against Leicester you know what I mean in the title winning season when we when we should have won the title when that goal went in against Leicester if we'd gone on to win the title I think that would have been the game and I think if we win yeah. the title this season and I'm possibly even if we don't this is the definitive game um there was something special in the energy in the crowd there was something moving in 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 the passion. I mean, when Zinche- when that goal went in, the camera cut to Zinchenko, and he just fucking roared. I was like, "Yes, come on!" Unbelievable, mate. Absolutely. I fucking love Arsenal. I mate. think it was fucking love him. Oh, mate, I fucking love it. Honestly, it's it is it's life, and uh, I think. Listen, I bang on about James Lawrence all quite a lot. I love him. I think he's sensational. Oh, get he said something over about James Lawrence Allcott. Fuck oh, him and Hugh Wizzy. He's married. Oh man. Both of them. Both of them. <laughs> Couldn't be more different, but I love them both. <laughs> he made a really interesting point. And I well, this isn't the point that he made, but this is kind of what I took from it. He he talked about the Erdogan goal in the North London Derby and how that's a goal that we'll be seeing for like 20, 30 years. When in 30 years' time, when I'm 56. And the North London derby is coming up and Bukayo Saka is manager of Arsenal. They will show <laughs> that goal. In the, in the highlights package show before, that. yeah. Yeah, in the highlights package before. And I, it got me thinking about seasons. And we so often think about moments rather than, than games, for me, during seasons. And that um, Inketia goal, the specific way he finished it, like so deftly... Um, and that Zinchenko roar will be one of them. If if we seal this season with the title, that will be one of the moments that is then ingrained on the memories for Arsenal fans until the day they die as a title-winning season. I have some, uh, like there's, a, there's an Alexis penalty that's just ingrained in my brain against Burnley in like the 95th minute, I think it is, or something. And we didn't do anything that season, but so often every season is just ingrained in in either phenomenal moments or shit ones. And that Enketia goal will be one, even if we don't win the seat, uh, win the league this season, forever. You know, the the feelings that we felt, the adulation that we felt, and the just genuinely the sensation of it of standing there not being able to celebrate because I was so worried it was offside, and then jumping so hard up and down, I thought I was going to fall through my floorboards. At one point, you know, it it like you say, it was very definitive. Um, but the word of the game for me was incision. And that is because we, like deft surgeons through the middle of the park, just incised our way through that Man United midfield time after time after time. And there was so much cutting edge and so much belief. And it was surgical what we did to them. It was methodical, it was surgical, and it it had the the belief of a team that knew they were going to win, even at 1-0 down, even at 2-2. They knew the third was coming. They knew the equaliser was coming. They were ready for it. And I can't believe I'm sat here after, you know, this time 18 months ago saying that we should look at possibly moving on from this manager. 
the no, progress no, no, in no, 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 hang on a minute. You didn't say we should look at possibly Mike, oh, maybe yeah. should we move on from no, the no, manager? No, no, we should look at moving said... on from the manager. We should sack him. Get him gone. Yeah, okay. as in we should move on. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were trying to soften your position. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was, so I I was fully ready evidence. to move him on. Yeah, oh God, no. And the listeners, no. I was fully ready for us to move on. And we look at other clubs and we look at their progress in 18 months Everton have been a relegation battler for four or five years. 18 months ago, we just finished eighth again and we'd lost three games on the bounce. At the beginning of the season, we were rock bottom of the table. We have to look at that progress and look at other case studies of when new managers have taken over and go, this is unheard of. I guarantee you, Eric Ten... Um, Mikel Arteta spent £345 million. Eric Ten Hag spent £250 million in his first window, right? I guarantee you in 18 months, Man United are not near a title and not as close as yep. we are. I would put Ten Hag, money on it. Ten Hag had 10 years of experience and he had, um, you know... And then he took over he a team had... that already had Varane, Sancho, um, you know, £60, 60 million pound Bruno Fernandes, you know, £50 million pound Juan Bissaka. We said this yes I said this on the Insta reaction. This isn't normal what's happening. This isn't no, this isn't like this is this also isn't like manager does well either. This is like once possibly once in a lifetime stuff. Like I I don't think we can go overboard on this. I really don't. <laughs> like I, no. I, I, I I'm looking at this and going, the way we're playing with the the youngest team in the league can just take a moment and like you get that gets band, bandied around we are the youngest team in the league with a manager in his first managerial position this isn't this is not normal this is not normal so let's just fucking enjoy it while we can right let's get yeah, into it so um, i've got loads and loads of talking points let's start on the game cuz cuz that will all come up um I thought we had a nice fast start in the first sort of first couple of minutes. This was always going to be a game for the uh, for Jules. I just wrote down the fucking duels, <laughs> like the the duels are going to be important. The fogging, the fogging, and then and then I felt there was a sort of period where United managed to get a bit of a foothold. They were very high in their press. They were matching us up. I thought I th- actually thought Veghorst did really well. Um, again, I I really rate Ten Hag on on many levels, and I think they're going to be the next project that comes comes quickly after ours. Um, I felt we weren't squeezing up enough and I felt we were particularly profligate in, in possession with uh, especially Partey, Martinelli on the left-hand side. I felt this was, and maybe this is the first point of discussion, I felt this was a game for a combiner on the left-hand side. I didn't feel like this was a game for a dribbler and final action guy who I'd say Martinelli is probably at the moment. I... I I felt as though someone like Smith Rowe, who okay is a ball carrier, but definitely combines better than than Martinelli in, in my opinion at the moment. Uh, so again, not to say Martinelli can't combine, um, but it's more solo stuff for him. Um, or Trossard, I, I'd have been willing to give Trossard a go on from from the beginning of the second half actually, but fair enough in terms of you know not wanting to just throw him in the deep end. Just what did you make of that left hand side? Because it felt like we were getting down there okay I mean in terms of you know getting in behind Wan-Bissaka um, but I just felt we needed a different dynamic down there I wasn't sure it was Martinelli's game No I think a lot of it leads from the lack of Jesus I've said this a couple of times um, Enketia loves to float out to the right doesn't really float out to the left that often for me so you lose a bit of interchange in, in those half spaces and 
I I think that's why we needed somebody who was a bit more of a combiner. I think with Jesus, you can allow Martinelli um, that freedom, but we, we just don't have that at the moment. And that's why I think Trossard is a really good and really interesting pickup because he can come in and he can really, really hit the ground running and, and you know, hopefully make a real impact now. You know, we saw that and we'll get onto his contributions later on. But um, I think, for example, if the Trossard signing happens a week ago, I think maybe he starts. But I think the thing with Martinelli is he is always dangerous. And I think that that's so, so key. Things aren't firing for him right now. His shooting seems a bit off and his final, you know, his decision making seems a bit off right now. But we can't underestimate how electric and dangerous he is. I think it was, I can't remember what game it is, but he... he there's a, there was a clip going around Twitter and he takes it past like three players right on the line and like taking it out for a goal kick and like takes it round three. Like he is so dangerous to the point where I'd keep him, I'd, I'd start him and I'd keep him on the pitch just because he is guaranteed pretty much most games to give you two or three moments of just electricness is the only way I can describe it. Um, but in a big game like this, I think the substitution made sense. I think it could have been made earlier, but it all depends on Trossard's fitness level and how he's integrated well enough in the last few days. And also, I wouldn't yeah, have he's, minded he's Trossard's... two sessions, you know. And also, we have to remember, Martinelli is going to be tired and Saka is going to be tired because we have been running... With Smithrow being out for such a long period this season, we have been running those two into the ground, which is why, you know, uh, 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 getting Reese Nelson back so he can take the Europa minutes off of Saka is going to be big because... Those two, like Gabrielle, have played nearly every minute so far this season, and that's going to have an impact on their output eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just felt it was a game of inches on that left hand side, especially in the beginning. There was a lot of panicking and clearances. I felt like United were controlling possession. Um, I thought Ramsdale was kicking it long a bit too much, and that Partey wasn't quite on it. It was just, it was we, positionally, I think we were fine. Distances were fine. It was just a case of individual touches letting us down. I felt. Um, and we saw that with the goal. Um, came from giving the ball away again. Um, and then Rashford is just absolutely on fire at the moment. And and that happens. You know, what I felt when it went in was fucking great goal. You know, <laughs> I think I think I said this quite a lot on the podcast, but I, I I do think a lot of the time what happens is if a if if Arsenal score, United fans go, Oh, that was shit defending from United, and Arsenal fans go, that was a great goal from us. And if United score, we go, that was shit defending from Arsenal. And United fan go, great goal from us. And actually, I think we can begin to find a bit, a bit of a middle ground. Okay, Partey, Partey should have controlled that ball there. But Rashford does so much from that position. And then to get that angle in, you know, I've said it before, he's he's the closest thing in terms of in, terms of in that final third, I think, to Ronaldo that we've had in the league for, for a very long time. Um, and by the way... Just going to protect Diffnock's reputation here. I remember Bradley and I speaking on the podcast about six months ago, maybe even 12 months ago, and I actually remember it was Brad's idea that we should try and get Rashford. And I remember getting tweets from people saying, Rashford, you fucking idiot. Let me tell you, when someone has that level of raw athletic ability, we've got enough fucking close-ups of him. I'll come, I'll, I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. We've got enough close-ups from Sky of Rashford's chest. When someone's got that height, ball-striking physique and talent you take them doesn't matter if it doesn't matter a lot of the time the other stuff 
when you when you can when you've got that raw ability, other things can mm-hmm. come. So I, I, you know, fair play to Rashford, and it's just a fucking great finish. Yeah, and I, I, I think Saliba could obviously maybe he makes the decision to come over, and I think if he's going to do that, he needs to do it a little quicker for me. But Rashford, those mo- you look at that goal and you look at those moments, Rashford still has it all to do, and he does it all. Yeah. So. Sometimes you have to just, yeah, you just have to, do you know what I mean? You've just got to stick your hands up and say, fucking great goal, comes out of nothing. You know, it's not something United have created. It's a situation we created for ourselves. But he's still left with the decision of, does he lay it off to the person um, coming on his left-hand side or does he take the shot on? And it's inch perfect, straight in the corner. Ramsdale's got no chance. Uh, The ball is struck so cleanly. You just have to go, you know fair fucks. It's goals like that I don't mind going down to because yeah. I think so good. there's nothing that we can, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We can't do anything yeah. about it. It was fucking sick. Yeah. No, chapeau. Chapeau, absolutely. Can I loose my arrows of fury, as you once said on this podcast? <laughs> oh, please do. Please do. I'm going to sit back and enjoy. I sometimes listen back to our podcast, Brad, and I go, oh, like... It's a bit narrative. And I listen to other stuff. It's not not just us. I think, oh, it's a bit narrative. It's a bit, you know, why are we discussing this? And yesterday, absolutely cemented why we discuss it. Anthony Taylor does not give Mikel Arteta that yellow card without the media frenzy around Mikel Arteta up to this point. I am convinced, absolutely convinced And that is why media narratives matter. That is why, in my opinion, we need to to come down as a fan base with all of our might and make as much noise as we possibly can about clips like on fucking talk sport, some guy yesterday pulling a I can't be racist, I have black friends energy going, well, yeah, I I, uh, I know, actually I know a manager who met Mikel Arteta and he didn't like him. Okay, say who it is then. We'll sort it out. But you won't say who it is because I guarantee either that story is not true or you're, and you're just saying it for clicks or it's not as true as you want it to be. They might have said, okay, yeah, he's a bit passionate. These these narratives matter. They, they really do. They and matter. as much as some... They matter. <laughs> as much as we... I think sometimes I'm definitely guilty of going, it's, it's, it's narrative. Fuck, who, who cares what Roy Keane thinks? Who cares what Jamie Redknapp thinks? And it's, you know, there's finding a balance, whatever. But what these guys say, casuals take on and casuals listen to mm-hmm. and casuals yep. uh, and casuals move forward with and will spout as their opinions. And those things directly influence, at times, things that are going on on the pitch. Do you, thi- do you think, had uh, the conversations in the, in the media in the last couple of weeks about Arteta's conduct with Richard Keyes, all these sorts of things, do you think the FA charges would happen? And do you think Arteta's yellow card yesterday happens? I think they all have to happen together, but if one goes, the rest the rest go too. So I I was look, Arteta as a reference at the beginning, I I I think he knows what he's doing. I don't think he's beyond anything, and I actually think uh, beyond any sort of line, particularly apart from his technical area. But so is Ten Hag. There's pictures of him going around outside his technical area. And secondly, I also every think manager's it's a outside clash. their technical area. Every every manager's outside their technical area. It's fucking, it's bullshit. It's a culture clash. We can't assume that everyone is going to be repressed Englishmen. <laughs> like, 
they're not. Some people are very gesticulative with their emotions and some people are very loud in the way they express themselves. And if we take that to be disrespectful, if it's not actually passing a line of physical intimidation or abusive language or shouting, you know, in in inordinately to not to just, just to just be heard or whatever. If someone's really passionately saying, get wide, get wide, go this way, go that way, to try and get a message across to his team, that is a culture clash. That's a separate thing. It's not the same thing. And I think in an English context, Arteta is viewed that way and it pisses me off. And it does matter. We we weren't having the these conversations about Pep Guardiola post the game against Liverpool where the really famous clip comes from where he's going twice, twice, and he's going crazy. We weren't having those conversations. We're not having those conversations all the time about Klopp, who in the last year has lost so much respect from me just with the amount of shit that's come out of his fucking mouth. We've never had those conversations about Antonio Conte. We never had those conversations about Jose Mourinho, who was known for running the length of a pitch to celebrate a goal. Um, we're having those conversations. Just to jump in, I, I also seem to remember us having, ha- what a great thing. You remember when Conte grabbed um, Tuchel's hand and pulled him away or whatever? I can't remember that that whole thing earlier on this season. People yeah. were saying, that's why we love the Premier League. It's box office. That's way more disrespectful than what Arteta does. Way more. Yep. 100%. Richard Keyes has started something. It's the And this is the same problem that... Um, we have with refereeing when it comes to teams. It's all perception. They've started to build the perception of Mikel Arteta as if he is an out-of-control out madman, when in reality, if you watched half of the managers in this league, they do the same, if not more. Uh, and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that you have a lot of people in punditry nowadays who are ex-United players from the 90s and 2000s who hate Arsenal because of the rivalry that was there. It's the reason Gary Neville comes out with such shite and tripe, like, oh, City are going to win the league and United are going to finish second and United are now 11 points behind us and we have a game in hand, which is against Everton. If we beat Everton, we're 14 points clear of United. It's the yep. reason that that you you get... And it's it's the level of punditry in this, this country. I've often said that we need to go more the route of tennis, because it's so much better, it's so much more analytical, and it actually gives the viewers something that they want. And I'm so bored of watching a panel of of fucking. There were two two Manks, a, a Spurs player, and one Arsenal player talking about a game of football about Arsenal. Why was why was a Spurs player needed other than the fact it's Jamie Redknapp? Like, get people on who are good for the job. Gary Neville is not good at his job. There is a reason. Every single fucking season, there are hundreds of clips that get clipped up of all the shit that he said during the season that's just wildly inaccurate. And I get that a lot of the job comes from, you know, making shots and stabs in the dark in the heat of the moment of things to 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 create a product. But if you are not good enough at your job that you have more hits than misses, you are the problem. Like that, it's it's about it's about expertise and knowledge, and the not like expertise and knowledge could tell you that United right now are way behind Arsenal, and that's absolutely fine. 
But until you accept that, and this has been the problem with United for years, is all of the ex-United pundits who constantly, they'll talk up what Solskjaer's doing when they're playing like shit. If Ten Hag goes through a rough patch, they'll be saying he's the best manager in the world. Um, And they won't be honest about, they're never honest about their appraisal of things. The only one that I think has any salt within this punditry group, and I'm actually, I'm not including Michael Richards because I think he does a great job, is Jamie Carragher. I think yeah, those I like two Car- are the only, they're the only two pundits in the game at the moment that I watch on a regular basis that I go, ah, that's good punditry. The rest is just fucking yeah. drivel. Yeah, the the, I mean the it's 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 wild to me that we're we're listening to Gary Neville, an an ex United player, commentate to start with, and why we haven't got fair representation in the studio. It should be, you could even have two uh two ex United players, two ex ex uh, Arsenal players, one man, one woman on both sides. You know, just it's it's about fairness and representation, and this is what happens. And the thing is, is like we come down to it and go, "Oh, this pundit's not very good. That pundit's not very good." And I, and, and this is where I often turn off and I tune out of the conversations because I'm like, "Okay, whatever. Does it, does it matter?" Actually, yes, on some level it does, because this is how a lot of people view the game. Sky have a monopoly at the moment on, and I think this will change on how we view the game. So the fact that they're doing shot after shot after shot after shot of Marcus Rashford as they come out. The Emirates, when Arsenal are top of the league with a massive English core, a Premier League um, uh, salted, I'd guess, I guess, I guess you could say, or a Premier League certainly um, experienced in terms of how he's come through the ranks in terms of uh, playing and then coaching and then finally managing with a Premier League guy like like Arteta, and they're having shot after shot of Marcus Rashford and saying United are in the title race, so. And probably because they know that that's what will sell, fine. But we have to do better. <laughs> we have to do better. And the problem is, these, is these narratives, these narratives do matter. So I, 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 I'm beginning to turn my attention to these things with more and more um, passion because, because I, because I, I do think it matters. I do think it matters about perception. Especially when we and pay want, this much, I, fucking hell. We pay so much, and we pay, we pay through the nose for it. So we, sh- we do expect better than. What do you think they'll be doing second half? Oh, I think they'll probably be trying to score a goal. Brilliant, brilliant, well done. Like it, it, it's yeah. I think some of it, some of it is drivel, but more that what annoys me is the is the the fact that this team isn't getting the flowers it deserves on, in mainstream media, in the mainstream media because of that bias, and and it does matter. And I, I, I do think, think it affects things on the pitch. I, I think we need more out of work coaches being pundits. And commenting on games because Gary Neville has Gary Neville's you know his experience at managerial level shows where he can't understand the game at, at the modern level he literally doesn't understand it he fucked Valencia so hard like there's there's reasons that he's not worked as a manager since Jamie Carragher hasn't worked as a manager if you got managers who are currently out of work who have got some experience you I, it sounds stupid, but it's it's about different views and different. Get Sam Allardyce. That man has lived, breathed, and slept football management for forty years. He will have some insight, even if it's bog standard basic about the de- the desire to put into a team and the way that they're staying so compact, or any of these things. More than you will get from a right back at Man United from twenty years ago who won a lot of titles because. He had a lot of good players around him and got carried. You know, it's 
it's not a question of that, that it's so easy to get this right and we pay so much money. And that is exactly why fans need to keep kicking up a shit over it and kick up a stink because it will never change otherwise and will always be left in this situation. And I think we saw it in Pat yesterday. Um, <laughs> back to the game. <laughs> yes. Options I felt weren't available for the man on the ball because United were working really hard. But then I felt as though we got a little bit of control and then that game came, uh, goal came, sorry. Well worked. It was down the left as as expected. And Eddie and Ketty, a man, he's, he's... The biggest compliment I think we can pay Eddie is that when, if Jesus was available for next weekend, that's a big, that's a big start. debate. Doesn't start. I don't think he starts. It's a I big debate. Think, I, 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 haven't, I haven't. We've, we've, we've based this whole project and we've done this whole system on the idea of meritocracy and deserving to be where you are. And I think that it sends the complete wrong message to take a guy who is as bang in form as Eddie out of the starting lineup when he's contributing in such a big way in massive games as well. So as much as Jesus is a phenomenal player, he has to earn his place back in the same way that Tommy Asu has to earn his place back from White. And because of the poor showing from White in this game today, has the opportunity to. And I probably consider starting him in the next one just to give White a rest and then you know give Tommy a chance to get back up to it you have to unfortunately you have to do those things otherwise Eddie's as much as I think he like you said on our on our instant reaction he's a he's the kind of guy with the kind of mentality that would take it in a stride and take it well it's about the message that it sends to other people that you could be playing as well as you want but you can still be dropped for a big name yeah, and it has to be a meritocracy. And the thing is, if it was a different thing and Eddie was playing well but not scoring, you might go, okay, he's playing really great, but we, we just need the goals. He's scoring. He's doing the entire job currently. And yeah, yeah, yeah. as I, as I said, and as you say, you know, what message does that send? Um, I just felt like United wanted a basketball game in the first half. I really felt that. And as much as I've seen a bit of sort of stuff, you know, kicking back against Henri saying... It was toe-to-toe, people were posting those graphics of, um, like, you know, Arsenal's attacking domination. And, you know, yes, we had more field tilt. And yes, you know, I, I, I'm i not denying those stats. But I did feel we didn't have the control that those stats suggest, just from a personal perspective, and in terms of my feeling. Perhaps it was the nerves of the game. Perhaps if I did a rewatch, I'd feel something different. But I think I felt a lot of the game was spent with Martinez passing the, to De Gea and round to Wan-Bissaka and back and, and them kicking it long, getting a second ball, coming back to them. So if that's domination for Arsenal, fine. But, you know, I, I, I didn't I didn't feel it. And I was very happy for them to do that, especially at one um, uh, at nil-nil because I, I always felt that the uh, the game was going to was gonna go away at some point. Um, and yeah, just to go back on what you said, I, I, I did feel White was stretched for the first time this season. I felt like it was his his, his poorest game I just felt he got, he just got shown inside, outside. Rashford it was won the him duels a bit too much. Than anything else, I think he was really off the pace, and it was every aspect of his game. His passing was lackluster. He was con- he was making the wrong decisions. He was arriving late. It was like, you know, it, genuinely like he'd had a bad night's sleep and not had a cup of coffee. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, it, was, it, it, it's, it was a really out of source performance, and that's going to happen sometimes. Players aren't going to be at the races 24-7. That's why you need yeah. adequate replacements. 
Yeah, honestly, that this game and Leeds are the two that I've felt anything other than fucking hell. Ben White was incredible. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. But I also think against Everton, I'd like to see Tommy Asu start because to create mm. the meritocracy in the squad and to create the the dynamic in the squad, someone like Tommy Asu, who when he came on, I thought was, was okay, he didn't change the world, but he did his job really well and was be- and played better than Ben White in that second half um, and dealt with Marcus Rashford better, although he did have a weird moment. Um, I think we I think we have to start with Tommy Asu, so that was the right choice. Um, yes, let's do this. Um, random moment. Partey against Anthony. Absolutely fucking rapid. What happened? Um, if you haven't seen this clip, just put in like Partey Anthony on, on Twitter or Reddit or whatever it is. It's ri- oh, you probably saw it in the game. It's ridiculous. The pace he shows. I said, this is going to become on our bingo card, isn't it? But I said on the instant reaction, I was like, I'm not saying that his legs had gone. I didn't think his legs had gone, but I felt as though his job was very much a, almost stretching his legs around the corner and, you know, nicking the ball off you kind of guy, running a little bit and then passing it off. But actually to, to show that pace over that distance as well was really impressive. So fair fucks to him. Yeah, it was wild. It was amazing. Um, Erdegaard simply a joy just a joy oh, an absolute joy purring I mean, purring after that display him him and him and Saka I rarely write anything about because they're just like perfect so like what, much what do you say it's it's like what, it's like Saka great touch yeah we're gonna, we're gonna write it every time like it's, it's it's they are they are yeah there's there's almost no words they are a joy to behold and the fact that between them they cost us something like 30 million. I mean, it's just... <laughs> um, I felt Tomiyasu, the first thing he did uh, was shift Saka from lane five to lane four. And that was the big shift for me. And it meant Saka could have more um, influence on the game. And that's where I think the goal comes from. I think Luke Shaw was backing off and backing off and backing off. But I probably think that was the right decision. I know he was getting criticised on comms, um, but I I felt that was the right decision with Saka because once you go in, if he gets past you, you you're done. Um, and also, Shaw knows Saka quite well from England and they're actually mates as well. I think they're quite good mates. Um, so I I felt it was the right thing to do as much as people wanted him to be braver, fine. But Saka actually, when he was, when he was on the outside and Shaw wasn't engaging, could only cut it back. Once he got on lane four and could burst past him, he was devastating. That's where the second goals come, goal comes from. Um, and perhaps that's a choice from um, from uh, from Arteta, but I, I just felt it was the right thing to do. Uh, agree. Um, right, there's nothing else to say. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's a great goal. I mean, it's, you know, it's, as you said earlier, it's a it's a fantastic goal. It's one of those that we'll be replaying over and over again in the comps. We'll see it and we'll remember the the scream. I'll certainly remember my scream when I went, ah! and I literally called for my partner to come watch it. I was like, come watch, you have to watch this. Oh, so good. Erdegaard's ball around the corner to evade the press and then his little flip-flap to get it through to Xhaka. Fuck oh. me. 
Um, yeah, I think it's interesting just to come on to more of a talking point thing. I, I suppose the thing that Pep said this week about how because we're chasing a title, you know, we're joking about it. The sort of the guts, the fire in the belly. But he's right. And that's another thing on the Arteta thing, which when we, we shouldn't go back to it. But it's also you have to take into context that this is a team who ha- you can't you can't on the one hand say, well, Arsenal have won a title for twenty years, fucking hell, we need to sort it out. And then on the other hand, be like, when they're a, a close to winning one, oh, they're too excited for winning the title. It's like what? <laughs> well, how do you win? Um, but but yeah, I I I do see that the guts and the fire in the belly and the second half was just a perfect a perfect example of that. Bukayo hit the post. Um, Ramsdale, though he made some mistakes in the first half, he did a fantastic save from Rashford. It even took a deflection. Um, we were pushing so hard. United were absolutely desperate. Trossard comes on, showed some some decent um, decent feet. I, I put in my notes. I'm so fucking nervous. We had that Enketia shot saved by De Gea. Um, we had the moment within uh, De Gea fucking time wasting the prick, um, and then the moment came. That just shows you. That's the moment, though. That shows you. I I disagree with you on the sense that I don't think the game was toe to toe at all. I think there was a lot of um, almost like tennis. like I didn't say it was toe to toe with possession. I didn't say it was toe to toe, but I also forth. don't feel it. There were some people saying there was almost like complete domination. I would say. I'd say I felt as though United were thirty-five percent in the game. That's where I, that's where I put it. At. I don't even think I'd give them that. I'd give them maybe twenty percent at most. They created nothing other than a, you know, uh, they, they, there's that Rashford shot that you mentioned. They got given the Martinez header, and there's a moment of brilliance from Rashford that United haven't created in themselves. It was a mistake from Partey and some brilliance from Rashford, um, and. I, I genuinely, I just, no team that feels like they're going toe-to-toe and is going toe-to-toe with a team has a goalkeeper that gets tapped on the chest and falls down like they're JFK in the back of a, in the back of an open-top car on the floor crying, trying to waste some time in the 85th minute. It, you know, it's, it's pathetic. And there's a few things that need to be drawn out of the game. We have VAR. That needs to be an instant yellow card for De Gea. You can see from the video that he's gone down with with the view to to waste time. There is a touch on his chest and he's gone down like he's been sh- like shot or smacked. We need to have VAR for those moments to yellow card these players for time wasting and for it's it's a dive. We also need to have yellow cards for players deliberately trying to stop play. If we can't, on one hand, complain about the ball only being in in play for 50-something minutes of a match and then be championing people who stand in front of people trying to take quick free kicks or stand in front of goalkeepers trying to release the ball quickly, we don't get to moan about Ramsdale falling on the floor and wasting time if we're also then going to want him to be able to release the ball quickly on a counter. We have to pick a side on it. And I'm really starting to get bored of us not doing anything about it. Like the amount of dives yesterday and people just looking for something because they knew they weren't good enough to win it themselves was honestly pathetic and needs to be punished. Otherwise, it will never stop. Tell us what you really think. No, I I, I, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, 
we're running low on time. I mean, I could literally go through every single player and talk about them. Yeah. Um, oh my god. I think I think there's like a we didn't even talk about their second goal, but who gives a fuck? Um, I think there's a conversation, especially with another person that I feel like we could literally spend a whole podcast talking about. Sinchenko. Um, he's teaching me how he's teach he's teaching me football. That guy. He is t- literally playing and teaching me football the way he plays. It's, I've never, I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen such a naturally gifted footballer. Uh, no, he, he is definitely one of the best footballers we've ever signed from a pure technical perspective. From a pure technical perspective, oh, he's in oh, the, yeah. he's in the Santi Cazorla conversation and maybe... Is Sesk in that conversation? Maybe, but you know, we're 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 talking fine fine margins. I mean, he is ridiculous. He's ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and he does open up a conversation with me uh, for me about Jacker, but we don't have time for that. Um, we'll do that another time. Anything else on the game, Brad? Nah. We'll see you after this. Welcome back to when News and Views, where you, where you lose a duel and we give you all your news and all your views, but mostly ours. Thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon, on patreon.com forward slash diffnot. Get access to ad-free versions of the main podcast, weekly Patreon-exclusive bonus podcasts, and the Patreon-only instant reaction for just £3 a month. For less than a price of a coffee a month, you could support the podcast and get a lot more of us. It really would mean the world. If you're a fan of the YouTube, there's a specific tier for video content on Patreon too. Speaking of coffee, for one-time support... This is long, isn't it? I should cut this down. Speaking of coffee, for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash diffnot where you can... Buy me a coffee. The links are in the show description. Fucking hell, I'll get that down. Jesus Christ. Um, let's do this quick then, shall we? Let's do it. Jakub Kivior. Kiwi- no for clue Arsenal. about how he plays, but his wife is the world twerking champion. He's at his the wife's Michaela Madrid. He knows about Sorry. the arse. Too easy. Too easy. He knows about the arse, obviously, so get him in the hey. arse. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um... What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, that was it. <laughs> Football. Um, yeah, uh, look, the comps look good. I need to do some research on him. He currently has three, 4,000 followers on Twitter. Bless him. Um, I think I've got more than him. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, he... Oh, no, I think that's a fake account. Oh, fuck. Oh, he's been duped. I've been absolutely duped and I did a little humble brag in there. Did you hear that? Um, yeah, and it was wrong. <laughs> and it was wrong. I and it was wrong. Yeah, fucking hell. That's what that's you get for a, humble brags. A, that is an embarrassing two minutes for you. <laughs> no, you you fucked up me. the only intro that you wrote for this section. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you did a wrong humble brag and you've been duped. Fucking hell. Jesus Christ, it's not going well. Yeah, basically. When I lose it, have... Duel, I'm upset. When I lose a humble brag, I'm upset. Um, I have nothing to say on Jack McKerry or in the comps that you've all seen, he looks good. At some point when he's played for us, I'll offer an opinion. But um, yes, 
you all know he's signed, so there's no point going into that. Uh, I would also recommend a article in The Times uh, about Carlos Cuesta, which is brilliant. 27-year-old coach. Uh, I'm sure you all know who he is, but he uh, is pretty special. Right, let's do some questions because these will always prompt some um, debate. Discussions. At Verit Arsenal says, Xhaka's resurrection has been widely acknowledged, but perhaps not yet sufficiently dissected. What have been the keys to his transformation as an incredibly effective box-to-box midfielder under Arteta? <laughs> That's how I imagine you're right, at Verit Arsenal. You sound very, um, what's the word? Well, well-spoken. Intellectual. Intellectual. Good question. Well worded. Well done, mate. Um, what's your question? <laughs> I was focusing on the joke. Uh, what are the things the... that have made Grand oh, yeah, right. this research? Well, okay. So, so I th- again, I think there's a whole podcast on this. I mean, my headlines are like where he's playing in terms of touches in the final third, the ankles he's picking up. He's picking up that sort of lane four-y space between the centre back and the right back when the when the right back gets picked out he's often there behind them so he's in that position um i think he's just feeling more confident in this team i think he's i think he's always been a leader but i think he's now a leader in a team that fully respect him um which i think is a a, a big thing for him and i think he feels at home here i do think those soft factors matter i think as you pointed out yesterday There's i think he's security been working around weak, him yeah i think he's been working on his weak foot I think he controls his minutes better. And what I mean by that is I feel as though there were there were times where he would burst in games and have a nice couple of minutes and then just have an absolute donkey moment. And I don't feel we're seeing that anymore. I think there's concentration across the whole 90, um, which is important. And he's just being instructed to do different things. However, I honestly... Didn't notice him at all yesterday. Didn't think about him once. Now, that might be because he had an amazing game and I'm just an idiot and I need to rewatch it. But I'm also watching Zinchenko in those zones, in those spaces, and thinking, would a Fabio Vieira in there, there offer us something slightly different, someone who can turn more on a on the half turn, someone who's a bit more, okay, less robust, but when we've got the ball... I don't know. It's opened up conversations for me. I think we need a bit of both. For for a game like United, where they, United can hurt you, they have good players. I think it's about having an improvement on Xhaka rather than a changing of skill sets, if that makes sense. I think what we need is just... If I'm if I'm a scout, and this is my opinion, and I'm, I'm looking to improve Xhaka's position in in the summer... I'm going for for a player with the same tenacity, with the same bite, with the same tackling ability, uh, with the same passing range that's just a bit more athletic and agile. I'm not looking to change him for a completely different profile. Um, But I I think one of the the main things that have made Xhaka as good as he looks and as good as he is, is the structure and the system. Uh, And often structure and system can cover up for the ill effects of certain players' weaknesses. You know, the, we've seen that once players have left City. We've seen that once players have left Liverpool. We've seen that once players have left Arsenal. They've gone out of a structure that suits them. They've gone out of a system that suits them and they fall apart. Um, and I think that whilst I think Granit Xhaka is a good footballer, you know, a kind of 
7 out of 10. He is massively helped by the, stru the structure and the security around him and is definitely a place that we can upgrade in the summer, which is why I think maybe we're looking at Declan Rice and going, long-term, he's a party replacement. Short-term, he's Xhaka in the first team. Um, I don't find those links surprising. No, neither do I, and I can see I can see him playing in that Xhaka role. I'm just looking at Xhaka's numbers. You know, very healthy in terms of you know all round midfield, solid. You know, there's there's no there's no necessary problem with Xhaka, but just from a stylistic standpoint, I think he he progresses really well. I think he has been our most progressive player in certain certain fields. I think he's massive for the group. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't sell him. Uh, I'd let his contract. No, I wouldn't. Expire. I wouldn't sell. I wouldn't sell him either, unless he wants to go. Um, I just think when I'm when I'm imagining him on our pitch, I just think he limits he limits that incisive ball from the half space into the centre forward, just because he prefers his left. Um, and I just want someone who's got a bit more of a turning circle. That's all it is, really. And I just don't think Shaka has that. But he also has other qualities, so maybe not. I, d I don't know. I'm really torn on it, and I think the fact that Mikel has played him in basically every single game since he signed indicates he's he wants him there. So maybe maybe he'll stay around. The problem is, is we're, we're constantly trying to retire him, aren't we? I mean, constantly. <laughs> we're constantly so, trying to put him in the well. bin, but he never he never goes in the bin. So he might end up playing for Arsenal, playing DM until he's 38. I mean, who knows? Yeah. We are now in the very, very fortunate and lucky position where the question becomes not what does he lack, but can we improve on it? If that makes sense. It's not a question of, yeah, it's a question of, is there, you know, <laughs> but as in, it's just a question of like, is there things that Granite Xhaka could do better that we could find in the market? Yes. Okay. We want to be winning titles and... I want us to win a Champions League. We have to look to consistently evolve and improve. Um, we will die if we don't. You know, the the wheels will fall off if we don't continually add things to this to this project. And unfortunately, Granite is a brilliant piece of the puzzle um, and will stay a piece of the puzzle, but it just won't be as an important piece. And that's that's progression and that's always going to happen. And we need that to happen to be successful on a sustained level. It happens at City. It happened at Liverpool for a long time. The reason Liverpool have fallen off is, is they've stopped doing that. Um, and they've, you know, they've stopped taking pieces out that can be improved on. So there's fucking fireworks going off outside my house. It might be because Harry Kane's just equaled Jimmy Greaves' record. Has he? Yeah. But oh, also, I, I, I'm checking the score and it says, Tottenham soaked up the pressure and Fulham's missed chances prove oh so costly. Harry Kane, the man to give Spurs the lead. Have they just got that on somewhere and just cop copy-paste every single game? Tottenham soak up the pressure, Harry Kane gives them the lead and the other team missed some chances. He's got to leave. Come on. He's got to go. Stop it, Harry. Um, just got to... Here, here, mate, we don't need to sign a right winger in the summer. Make Jesus a right winger and let's steal Harry Kane. Oh my God, can you imagine? That would Could be you the, imagine that would the be... meltdown. And then he wins the league with us. That would be the funniest. And he like 
he like does he like we do the um what's the word the the signing video of him the picture of him as an Arsenal fan when he was a kid. Oh, and we get like audio. I, I wouldn't do it because of, of the own. money. He's one of our own. He's one he goes, of our own. Yeah, I'm a gunner, so it's good guys. Thanks so much for being here. Really looking forward to playing for you guys and scoring loads of goals. Really looking forward to it. Thanks, Spurs. I'll be Right. Um. <laughs> Uh, it'd Question be the, from... the weird, the most stupid move ever, but I want it to happen just for the banter. It's the sort of thing you do on career mode or FIFA, just to just to have it in existence somewhere and somehow. Question from Gabby 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 at Gabby 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 AFC. Question one: With the way our team is currently performing, as well as Trossard, Smith Rowe, Jesus coming back, how many points do you see us getting this season? I think I'm right in saying 50 points after 19 games is the first time we've ever done that in our history. Yeah. If we're we, living if in we the match good times, the results, Brad. If we match the results, bearing in mind we have more home games now than away games, uh, we'll be Centurions. <laughs> Crazy. If we match our results over the second half of the season, which isn't too hard to believe, um, I think we can go and get a result at Anfield if that's a draw or a win. With the way that they're playing right now, it's definitely a win. I'd I don't know when we're facing them, but I prefer to face them sooner rather than later before they get players back from injury. Um, the only other place that I'm looking at that I don't want to go is St. James's Park. But if we can win at one of them and draw at the other, there's no reason why we can't maximise the rest of our points. I reckon we'll hit, I yeah. think 90 points this season is the aim. And I think that that yes. wins the title. I think we'll finish on 92, 93. I think I think we'll break the ninety barrier. I do I do think we'll break the ninety barrier. I think we'll drop more points in the second half of the season. I think we'll drop points against City. Um or at least in one of the games. We've still got to go to Anfield, still got to go to St James's Park. Don't so, have to go to Stamford Bridge, don't have to go to the Tottenham Stadium, don't have to go to that's that's the that's yeah, I think that's it. That's the top six done. I think it's just Anfield. We haven't said good evening yet. Oh, and the Etihad. And we've got to say um, good evening. No, I know. But if you look at the style of football they play versus the style of football we'll play, we'll cut through them like I a was, knife through butter. I was, joke, I was joking, Brad, but yeah. <laughs> They're so open. They're more open than Katie Price on a Sunday night, mate. It's... But you can't say that. That is misogynistic. That's misogynistic. Apologise. <laughs> say sorry for sexist language. Deeply sorry. Thank I'm sorry you. for sexist language. <laughs> That was horrendous for me, to be fair. <laughs> Called out on the podcast straight away. But hey, learning. We're learning, aren't we? Brad, what, yeah, what have we learned there? What have we learned? Don't be Come a on, cunt. let's do this. There you go. The woke karate. Trying to, cancel, trying to cancel him, wasn't I? I was trying to cancel him. God. I should have gone with my first instinct. I nearly went, I nearly went than a prostitute on a Sunday night, but... I thought that was a bit... On a Sunday uh, night? 18... <laughs> yeah, 18 races. Why is it well, a Sunday? have got to get a day of working. <laughs> They've all expunged their sins in the morning. They've come for a cheeky little one in the evening. Uh, question from at Arse Bite. <laughs> which seems deeply appropriate. Another thing Katie Price does all the time? No, Br- Brad. Brad, you have to learn from your mistakes. <laughs> Don't be misogynistic on our podcast. 
You've stopped saying nonce. I'm proud of you. Now here's the next step. Stop saying misogynistic things. Arsebite. City seems puffed after World Cup. Just see them after the Leeds game. Kevin De Bruyne and Cancelo were struggling to get up. With City players pushing 30 and still eyeing the UCL, should we drop Europa and or FA Cup for staying fit and top of the league? I'd yep. sack off FA Cup, certainly. See you later. I'd, I'd, I'd play the kids in yeah, I'd play the kids in the FA Cup and I'd let City take that tie. That's another five games, I think, depending on how far we would get and who we get drawn with that we yep. don't have to contend with. Um, I'm talking Carl Hine. I'm talking a Conquo. I'm talking Marquinhos. Yep. I, I can't have a Conquo. I'm talking... I'm Joel talking, Lopez. I'm, talk, Lino I'm talking Sousa. Lino Sousa. Joel Lopez. He left the club, mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mika Biareth. Like, any of the... <laughs> any of the... Ignacy Mikel. Bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> just get any... Genuinely, just stick Edu in goal yeah. and play the technical team. Play the scouts. I yeah, don't care. Richard, uh, Richard Garlic, box to box. <laughs> yeah. A technical six, Richard Vinay Venkatesham as the diminutive winger. <laughs> Airpod, uh, Airpods Albert strolling oh around the park. Love it. Fuck's sake. Uh, Europa, all I would do is I'd play the second team. And then if we get knocked out, we get knocked out. If we get through the rounds, we get through the rounds. It's a good chance to get Smith Rowe fitness. It's a good chance to get Trossard into the team. It's a good chance for... Jesus to work back to fitness, Marquinhos to get minutes, um, Laconga, Vieira, you know, this new lad, Kirior, Tierney, Turner, I'd get all of them minutes and then I wouldn't change that team. And if we get knocked out, we get knocked out. Um, yeah, I'm not fussed about either of those competitions. The only one I would be fussed at about is the Europa because I can't see us being in the Europa League for a long time. And I want to be able to say that Arteta's won every trophy he like in management. So I want him to win it this season. So we never have to fuck with it again. Um, but I wouldn't be doing that at the risk of the fitness and the health of any of the real strong first team players. Would we be the first team to ever win the Premier League and Europa League? I can't think of another team that's done that. I think so. I don't... Yeah, I think so. I don't think any team's done the Prem in the Europa. I think they've done the Prem in the Champions League. I think United did that, didn't they? They did the treble. Yeah. Is it, is yeah. it just United that have done that? I think it might be. Yeah, right? we're, probably, we're probably forgetting someone. Um, the re- first round of 16 is March the 9th to... A, oh, fucking hell. Our Fulham game is supposedly on the Saturday. I bet that gets moved. Um... And then the ones the week after. So we, we've only got basically one game a week apart from the week where we play City midweek from now on, pretty much. So we've got City at the end of this week, then it's Everton, then it's Brentford. Then we've got the two games week. Then we've got uh, one game a week, one game a week, and then we're back into Europa. So the f- the schedule isn't crazy. I saw a Mark Goldbridge tweet today complaining about how United have played a game every three and a half days. And I'm like, mate, one, you spent a that's billion good, pounds you on your squad. You. And two, you'd be complaining if you weren't in the competitions, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, player welfare is a and problem. And it's also because they, they, couldn't, they couldn't top their Europa League group. That's the only reason that fixtures have had to be moved in the way that they are, because we go in at the round of 16 for topping the group and they go in at the round of 32. Yeah. It's their own fault. Uh, basically, my point being, I feel like there's a way 
and the quarterfinals are like April. I feel like there's a way where we could play a kind of hybrid team where, you know, Enketia starts on the Thursday, Jesus starts on the on the Sunday. Perhaps we have like Saliba and Kivior one week and then Gabriel and um, Tomiyasu the next week. Or so, do, you, do you know what I mean? That, that sort of thing where we're not knackering out everyone, but we've I got enough, enough yeah. to do. It's all down to who we're facing. Because I think, for example, Turner in goal, toss up between whoever's starting in the Premier League, whether it's Tommy Asu or White, the other one at right back, Holding and Kivior at centre back, Tierney at left back, uh, Lukonga at DM, or El Neni at DM. He's proven that he can play at you know Europa League level against people or, like Olympiakos. Brad, Richard um, Garlic. Or Richard Garlic. And then like Vieira and Smith Rowe in front, Trossard on the left, yeah, Marquinhos we've on got, the right. We've got a decent Stein squad. Front. Like that's good enough to beat certain teams that are still in the Europa League. So I think it's more when it comes down to crunch time at the end of the season, if we're facing like, I don't know who dropped out of the Champions League, but if somebody big did, if we're facing somebody important, that's when it becomes more of a problem or more of a question because you want your first stringers available for both legs. But I wouldn't, that's, that's a question for April. And if we can get, you know, talks come out about Caicedo, I don't think it will happen in January, but if we could get a central midfielder and even another winger in, you're talking about a real thick squad full of brilliant players that can easily thick manage with two both. C's. Thick. Final question from Steves, who is at Steves91. It says, can you tell me how long it took Richard Keyes to clean up his mess after Arteta got booked? <laughs> Have you ever seen the episode of South Park? That's exactly well, uh, the picture he's attached. Yeah. Yeah. It's that. It's that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we have just got Hours. time, Brad. I say that, but we've always got time. We're always going to have time. But I'm going to still say it because it's, just, I think it's, it's, it's tradition now, isn't it? It's part of the culture. We've just got time. Just almost got time for a little a bit. A little bit of. Are you going to say it? You, gonna you say, say it. it. Who knows? You say it. Arsenal trivia. You know what happens is we go. We've just got time, Brad, and you go for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Okay, let's do it again. We are out the swing of this, right? No, no, no. Roll camera. The last question was. I'm pretty sure I've asked this question about 14 times on the podcast, but this is finally going to be the last time I ask it, and we're going to get it out of the way. Brazilians at Arsenal in 2004-2005, and the question was: How many games did Edu start for Arsenal in the 2004-2005 season? Start. 36. Six. I don't know. Six. Ah, fuck. I got the six part right. Yeah, good enough, mate. Uh, I wasn't even 10 years old, mate. <laughs> I was nine question, years old watching that. And I'll have a theme, please, Brad, because you always forget that this is how it goes. Uh, your question for this week is, I want to know Granite Jacker's previous two clubs. The theme was Granite Xhaka, and I want to know what were Granite Xhaka's previous two clubs. And I have a theme, please. Scramley. 
Uh, our new signing, Jakob Kivior, has been announced. He will be wearing the number 15. Uh, I would like a trivia question based on Arsenal players who have worn the number 15. Bloody hell. Showing off now, aren't you? It's because yes. I warned you. You didn't have to make it up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is our, our podcast always start with a real seriousness and then just slowly over the it just descends into this they sort just of descend. wild goose chase of, of mass murderers I don't even know what that means but I think that sort of sums it up really isn't it um it right does. <laughs> right mate I hope you enjoyed that I certainly did I had a great time so it was a lot of <laughs> hope fun you guys hope you enjoyed listening um hope you enjoyed it we had fun yeah yeah um Brad, are you going to stop being misogynistic or just going to carry on? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to deeply apologise to all our female listeners. Um, yeah. And that's actually genuine. They, they, I, I knew I was being a cunt. <laughs> just, had to, just had to stick that in there. Okay. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> God, okay. Um, well, that's good. You know, hey, listen, we're, we're all learning. We're all we learning. Live, we learn, we, we, have to, we, have to trust, we have to trust the process. That's what we have to do, mate. Trust the process to not be misogynist. Listen, trusty it's a pleasure. The process. Aaron, trust the process. Thanks so much for listening. Keep it different, Knock. And we will see you after the City game. Ooh. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support The Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.